The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Again, to a game from the radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via social distancing, as uh, will be for the foreseeable future, is none other than the life with Jenner G's, Jen Elise Felding. I'm so glad to be here, regardless of any way that we can be together. We're together somehow. We're, we're, we're together apart. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, so stupid. <laughs> so, this week's show. We're going to have a self-promotion spotlight. We're going to have a Dominic Definition Man Sprano from Pronto Comics with his comic pick of the week. We're going to have um, senior correspondent Charlie Saladino with his part four of his four-part interview with uh, author, writer, and filmmaker Lauren Malloy. And we're going to have another Jaybird and Lee segment. So it's a big full show this week. How slow is he speaking, and how much content is this? Uh, see, you should listen to find out. <laughs> a lot. Part four interview. Okay. All right, Star Wars, Charlie Saladino. <laughs> so, but before we do that, we have to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks at the Big Apple Con, now which we are the official radio show uh, celebrating over 25 years of pop culture news and comic book stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com, and you can check out their uh, website. And they announced their new convention, which is going to be on May 1st and 2nd of 2021. I thought you were supposed to say yay. <laughs> oh, yay. Okay. Yay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, I didn't know that. I was doing uh, the emoji yays. Oh, okay. And uh, we want to have our shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, and The Huracan, which is a convention in a church in Long Island. If you want to get your own little shout-out, go to www.patreon.com and uh, look up It Came From Radio in the search bar. So uh, let's do it with the news. The news is going to be a little bit different. Uh, Jennifer and I are going to be taking turns giving out the news. Spruce, spruce things up a little bit. So I'm going to start off with the sad news. Yay! How <laughs> <laughs> bad for your yay? <laughs> I'm going to throw in yays at all of these unopportune times. <laughs> Longtime actor Wilford Brimley died recently of a kidney ailment. Uh, Wilford okay. appeared in such films as... The China Syndrome, The Electric Horseman, Absence of Malice, Death Valley, The Thing, Ten to Midnight, High Road to China, Harry and Son, The Natural, Cocoon, as well as the sequel, Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins, Shadow on the Wall, Eternity, The Firm, Hard Target, Mutant Species, In and Out, The Summer of the Monkeys, I oh, gotta see that movie, Resurrection Mary, The Path of the Wind, Timber and the Treasure Dog, and I believe, just to name a few. On the small screen, Wilford appeared in such shows and made-for-TV movies as The Waltons, Amber Waves, Rodeo Girl, Murder in Space, Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, I've never seen that, um, Act of Vengeance, Walker, Texas Ranger, the original one, Seinfeld, and The Ballad of Lucy Whipple, uh, just to name a few. 
Wilford was perhaps best known for his being a spokesperson of the Quaker Oats in the 90s, as well as the American Diabetes Association. Um, of note, Wilford also had his own band, which performed on a Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, and was once quoted as saying, There is nothing made, sold, or done that can't be made, sold, or done cheaper. If your price is the only concern, please do business with my competitor. He's not lying about that. Were you a familiar of a, a or a fan of Wilford? I'm a fan of Quaker oats. <laughs> I used to eat a lot of oatmeal. And Quaker, fun fact, Quaker actually means friends. Or Quaker, Quakers are friends. So they're friendly oats. Yeah, friendly oats. Did you uh, remember? Were you around in the nineties? Let's 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 start yeah. with that. Okay. I'm born in '84. <laughs> so do you remember the diabetes commercial? Diabetes. I, I do. I remember a lot of the diabetes commercials, and uh, side note, a lot of the guidelines are very ineffective, and uh, that's come to light recently as part of the true thing. Yeah, so uh, he will be missed. Uh, he was a spry 85 years old. Hey, he lived a good life. He lived a good life. What time do you, what age do you want to live to, Mark? I'm just curious, because we talk about death a lot, and do you often think about what the ideal age for you to die would be? Uh, Never. <laughs> Never? Oh, okay. I'm, I'm going for never. That's what's going to be on my tombstone. Uh, never. Here, here lies Mark Torres. He tried living forever. He wanted to live forever or die trying. We see how it worked out. Wow, you're just a glutton for punishment. Huh? I just don't <laughs> want more of this life. Yeah. I prefer to suffer alive than be dead. Well, every year can't be 2020. And even 2020 has its good points. That, that is true. So uh, what do you got for us? More sad news. That's what I got for us. Actress and wrestler Becky Mullen also died recently of colon cancer. Becky was most famous for being Sally, the farmer's daughter on the original Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. Of course, to Mark, Mark only knew her as the hot girl that wrestled a pre-Baywatch Pamela Anderson on one of his favorite shows of all time, Married with Children. She was 56. That is true. It was, uh, Marriage was one of my favorite shows, and there was an episode, um, which is a very famous episode because Pamela Anderson was in it before anybody knew who she was. So Al was sick um, with a bad cold, and he kept on having these feverish dreams when hot women kept on appearing. And there was uh, uh, one part where the women were fighting over him, and then he said, Women, you have to have more hair, hair throwing. And they started whipping their hair around, and yeah. it was just really funny. That's funny. Pamela Anderson, I heard she's quite sweet. She's um, a neighbor to my uncle in Malibu in California. I heard she's really a sweetheart. Wow. Mm -hmm. Talk about your connections. And very beautiful. Well, I've never met her, but my uncle, he's met everybody. He's met her plenty of times, I'm sure. Yeah, just yeah, a dime a dozen in Malibu. <laughs> All right, so let's see. Moving on. Uh, that's it for the sad news. Let's go with some happier... <laughs> Happier-ish news. From the There May Be Some Life Left In It After All department, none other than Dwayne The Rock Johnson, along with some partners, acquired the XFL and saved it from bankruptcy. And the joke goes, uh, 2020, who wants to buy the XFL? Uh, nobody. Uh, the, oh, I'll buy it. Yeah, because... <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dwayne says... <clears throat> 
the acquisition of the XFL with my talented partners Danny Garcia and Jerry Cardinale is an investment for me that's rooted deeply in two things. My passion for the game and my desire to always take care of the fans. With pride and gratitude for all that I built with my own two hands, I plan to apply these calluses to XFL and look forward to creating something special for the players, the fans, and everyone involved for the love of football. Uh, for those of you who weren't paying attention, the XFL was WWE Chairman Vince McMahon's attempt to save his own to have his own football league designed as a companion piece to the NFL, playing on games not against it, but when an NFL is done, they have their games. Um, in 2001, Vince tried and failed to make it marketable, and the league went under in just one year. However, Vince brought it back in 2020, only to be sideswiped by the ongoing pandemic and was forced to cancel all games and declare bankruptcy. XFL says, <clears throat> this is a Hollywood ending to our sale process and it is an exciting new chapter for the league. Dwayne, Danny, and Jerry are a dream team ownership group and the XFL is the best possible hand going forward. Okay, well now we have a new method for women to get their husbands off of their cases with football year rounds, maybe. Yeah, that, that was the plan, but it didn't work the first time. And this time, apparently it was working. According to the numbers, they were doing decent numbers. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a home run, but it was steady, decent numbers that were slowly growing over time. People were going to the games, and then this happened. We actually talked about it before, about how, what kind of a bad luck was you have to wait all this time to bring it back, to put all this money into it, and then there's a pandemic the same year. Yeah, and it definitely wouldn't be a home run, because this isn't baseball, Mark. So. <laughs> I mean, I gotta give hats off to anyone who's starting a business and acquiring companies this year. What? It's just a risky year. He didn't know. <laughs> I'm sure he would have waited one more year, maybe. Yeah, well, well the Rock's you know, acquiring this oh, now. That so. is true, yes, that is true. Yeah. It's still a risk because the future is pretty unknown for anyone watching this and listening in 2025. It's a very unknown time in history. <laughs> I mean, we don't the weather. We got hit with the second worst hurricane of all ever. Damage-wise, yes. And a pandemic uh, compared to the Spanish flu of 1918. Yeah, 100 years. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty prominent time in history for disaster. Yeah. And speaking of prominent time and investing, what else do you have for us on the news? From the Someone Has to Be First department, Disney has announced that they will release their live-action Mulan film directly to its streaming service, Disney+, Plus, in addition to the whatever theaters are open and in areas where the streaming service is unavailable. Disney says... We thought it was important to find alternative ways to bring this exceptional family-friendly film to people in a timely manner. The film, which was originally set to be released in March, was pushed back several times over the last few months due to the ongoing pandemic. The film will be available on September 4th. The price will be $30 on top of whatever you're paying for the service to see the flick. I think that that's not cool <laughs> to make people pay... $30 on top of the streaming service that you're already paying for. Well, if you want to watch Mulan, you better have some moolah, baby. Ha! <laughs> moolah, moolah. Right, maybe, maybe, maybe that's why. Maybe. God, Colbert, I, I don't know. <laughs> this is one I will be flicking past. I mean, we've been talking about how movies are, are, are a problem and how 
um, the streaming services are going well and, and Disney is losing money over hand over fist but they're still trying to push forward keeping Disneyland open or reopening Disneyland but then for them to squeeze out an extra $30 because I mean this is a, a groundbreaking moment if you think about it because if this does well it's going to spell the end of how we see movies going forward what do you think let's make a bet I don't think this is going to go well I don't think they're going to make that many uh, views and that much money on this. Do you think so? I, I, I'm 50-50 on this. I think on one hand, there is people out there who have extra money that they normally would have been spending, and they're not. So instead of taking their family to go see a movie of Mulan, which was supposed to be one of the big summer blockbusters, you would think that for $30, it's a deal. Because it's, it's way less than what you would have paid going to the theater. But on, but on the other hand, a lot of people don't have any money. They are struggling. And $30 is a lot of money to ask for someone who's already giving you money. Like you're already getting a service. You're already getting all this stuff. And then we want $30 more out of you to see one movie? Come on. Yeah, and, and the networks are just so filled. I mean, I we're both friends with a lot of different filmmakers, but I'm inundated with things to watch, so I'm not going to be paying to watch something else right now. I can't even get through what I need to watch. Yeah, it's 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 mind-boggling. That's that's as far as I go with that. So I so what do you think? You think it's going to be successful? Or not successful? No, I'm saying no, but I'm also not a Disney aficionado. I, I don't know very much about Disney, so. Uh, my opinion is really not that valid on this case. All you need to know about Disney is that they're evil, and that's it. <laughs> really? Is, is that what you really think, or you think facetious? Um, I actually am very anti-Disney for many, many, many years. So, yes, they're not, they're no bueno. One reason why you're anti? Um, I would start off with the beginning of why I started being anti-Disney is because their movies weren't that good back in the day. They were, they were overly hyped. And then I watched some of them. I'm like, this is what all the hype was for? This is it? This isn't yeah, good at yeah. all. Same. And, I mean, I went to Disneyland. Oh, my God. It, was the, it is the happiest place on earth. I mean, holy crap. It was an experience that I will never forget. But yes. then they started becoming a monopoly. And then they screwed over um, Robin Williams. And then they started being uh, shysty with their business dealings. So all that kind of stuff. It's like, I don't like that. That sounds fair. So, uh, moving on, from the, it's called acting department, none other than longtime Simpsons star Harry Shearer, Shearer has voiced his opinions, haha, on the role, on the whole, white actors voicing non-white characters mandate on the show beginning in its upcoming 33rd season. Uh, Harry says, <clears throat> I have a very similar belief about acting. The job of the actor is to play someone who they're not. That's the gig. That's the job description. People from all backgrounds should be represented in the writing and producing ends of the business so they can help decide what stories to tell and with what knowledge. The job is playing someone I'm not. Uh, in case you didn't know, Harry voices a slew of characters on the series Simpsons, including newscaster Kent Brockman, Ned Flanders, and Dr. Julius Hibbert, who is a black character, just name a few. We've talked about this many times. I think he hit it right on the head. I, yeah, I think that really should be the retort to anyone that has anything to say about this. That being said, 
we can't have all black characters being played by white people for sure. We can't go to that end of the spectrum. But to have it be a mix because it's called acting, voice acting, not voice being. <laughs> you know, I mean, I played a villain in a cartoon. I'm not really a villain called Waterfall that's freezing people <laughs> with their hands. You're not no, even I'm... a cartoon character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, he makes a very good point. And we have to have a, a balanced ground for this. And we are at the other end of the spectrum, and hopefully we'll come to the middle, because that's usually what societies do. They go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum to find a homeostasis balance eventually. So let's get there, please. And, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, it, we're not saying, well, at least I'm not, or I believe nobody is saying that there shouldn't be proper representation of any type of job out there. It should be the best person for the job. So if you have a cast of all white characters and the best people for the job is a whole black actors, that's okay. You know, I, I pulled my point out of this because I do play uh, probably a 10 to 14 year old. We don't know how old she is character on there goes to the neighborhood. And I think it's unfair. I think we should find authentic 10 year olds <laughs> or I'm probably taking the jobs away for other 10-year-olds that are working to support their families. Got well, well, since you brought it up, um, for those of you who may not know, the Charlie Brown series was always voiced by kids. It was one of the mandates that uh, Charles Schultz had done. So all wow. the Charlie Brown's cartoons, except for the, uh, you know, the adults and Snoopy, were all voiced by kids. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder how that went when they were like, hey, can I go to the bathroom? Hey. <laughs> I mean, all the things kids do, touching their faces, picking their nose. I mean, what is, how, how would they keep the mics free of snot? I mean, little kids are picking their nose all the time. I, I don't know. You have I, I don't a very active imagination of what a studio would be like with kids running around. Yeah, I'm just thinking of, you know, the professionalism and I'm hungry, I'm cold. Uh, really? I don't want, I don't, it's managing adults is enough. <laughs> read, read the lines and you can have your juice box later. And do what? You can have your juice box later. Exactly. Maybe. All right, but so, uh, final, what was that? It has high fructose corn syrup, so I wouldn't serve that on my set. All right, so drink, drink your water. <laughs> exactly. Soup for you, but no juice box for you. Soup, yes. Anyway, let's move on. From the no light to stand on department, AMC Theaters and Universal have struck a landmark agreement, yay, to resolve their dispute over video-on-demand releases, which will allow the studio to release its movies on video-on-demand after just 17 days, as opposed to the old standard of at least 90 days of theatrical release in the United States. Universal says, the theatrical experience continues to be the cornerstone of our business. The partnership we forged with AMC is driven by our collective desire to ensure a thriving future for the film distribution ecosystem and to meet consumer demand with flexibility and optionality. If you don't remember, not too long ago, we reported that AMC said they would not show any Universal movie if they continue to release films the same day on digital streaming services. Of course, due to the ongoing pandemic, most AMC theaters have remained closed. AMC says, AMC enthusiastically embraces this new industry model, both because we're participating in the entirety of the economics of the new structure and because premium video on demand creates the added potential for increased movie studio profitability, which should in turn lead to the green lighting of more theatrical movies. A considerable 
the considerable majority of a movie's theatrical box office revenue is typically accrued in the first three weekends of release. Focusing on the long-term health of our industry, we would note that just as restaurants have thrived, even though every home has a kitchen, AMC is highly confident that moviegoers will come to our theaters in huge numbers in a post-pandemic world. I think they were like, we have no means to stop them. We're going to lose money anyway. We better make friends and make nice. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, there was a lot of ultimatums. Reminds me of like relationships where people go, well, I'm going to do this. And then after a few weeks, they realize, well, you, you might as well just drop your ultimatums and let the person back because you're not going to do much better than what you got, girlfriend. That's it. <laughs> and I like the fact that they're like, yeah, having movies being released on streaming will make them make more movies to release on streaming. Like, I don't see how that can help them in any way, shape, or form. I, I don't really know how this is going to go. And to be honest with you, the comparison to restaurants, well, a lot of people are going to continue going to restaurants. So that's another one where I'm a weirdo. But I don't go to restaurants because I have a kitchen at home. And I, I hate going out to eat so much. Um, and I really don't like going out to the public movies that much either. So sorry. Well, I always say uh, I always I well I used to see movies for free, so my vote didn't my vote didn't count either. And we've also said that the movie theaters make their money on the food. Right. So I don't. I mean, I understand why. I mean, all they have to do is just get butts in the in the theater, and figure out alternate programming, which they have been trying to do. I, yeah, maybe maybe they should switch to drug dealing. Yes, well, well, that was good. Your plan is still valid. It was a drug dealing front, and we also said that you we were gonna uh, we were gonna have a movie theater that sold weed. Right. <laughs> also beauty treatments because you see women and some men are just nonstop fiending for beauty treatments, haircuts and blowouts and nails. I mean, that's always going to be needed. And coffee. Those are some things I'm seeing people dying for and not saying no to nowadays so maybe they should have nail salons and hairstylists there and drugs and coffee that sounds like a rave <laughs> <laughs> it, it could be a healthy rave though i mean minus the drugs i mean that's what i'm not condoning i'm not into drugs um not anymore but or any um, less or, or it depends on the type of drug <laughs> Right, but maybe that could be a good business model. That's actually what I would do. I, I would. If I was in California, we'd make it a dispensary and a beauty place and a coffee place, and everyone would be there. I just think it's, like I said, that, that Disney release of Mulan is going to dictate how things are going to go. The movie theaters don't have a leg to stand on. They're at the mercy of the situation. Yeah. And... I think they're trying to make the best out of the situation. That I think they're trying to. Well, what's the what's the saying? When you get lemons, you make lemonade, or deal the best hand you got, right? No, you play the best hand you're dealt. Right. I think that's what's happening, and they're and trying to be very PC about it. And it's interesting. They tried to strong arm Universal, and uh, that didn't work. So maybe they should try this strong arming. Hey, you want your coffee in our movie theater? You're gonna have to sit through a movie. That's an interesting business model. If you want to <laughs> cup of coffee, you can have it. But after you watch this movie, well, I mean, uh, realistically, the movie theaters <laughs> don't want them to watch the movie. They want them to buy crap. Mm. 
So if they come in, pay, this is a perfect example. Um, if you if you remember when Star Wars Episode One was gonna come out in the theaters, this was before the internet was a big thing. What they did was they had this movie called Meet Joe Black with Brad Pitt, and on that movie they released the first trailer of the Star Wars Phantom Menace movie. People went in, they paid to see Meet Joe Black, saw the trailer, and then left. What? So Meet Joe Black's money that it made was inflated by people who just wanted to see the Star Wars trailer first. Wow. Star Wars people are really interesting. I'm a lot of them, so I guess I'll just say humanity is interesting. I don't get it. But that's that's the fact. Like, the movie theaters, they don't care if... You come in and, you know, if you watch or don't watch, they want you to buy the food. So you come in, you buy as much food as you want, and you leave, they'll love you. Right. You know, right. Well, don't force them to watch the movie. It's like, if you, wanna, if you want the food, buy a ticket to come in, get the food, and then leave. They're all, everybody's happy. This is true. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. It's kind of like gym memberships. Gym memberships just want you to be a member, but they don't really want you to go to the classes. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, exactly. I mean, a little bit, a little bit. Well, they want you to, to go a little bit because therefore you would have the desire to keep on renewing your membership. Yeah, and there are there are some numbers with classes because as an instructor, you do need some people to have show interest in your classes to keep te- teaching. But as far as use the equipment, that would be a better analogy. Like, they don't care if you come in and do cardio every five days a week. They yeah. probably rather you didn't. And use the showers, all that. It's 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 crazy how the business world works. Um, oh yeah. So that's it for the news. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we take our break? Um. Yeah. Just make sure you get some rest. You'll end up like me the last few days, exhausted. So rest, rest always. And while you're resting, you can listen to the rest of the show. Ha ha. This is true, and I do have a sort of soothing voice, so it's not going to be that obstructing to your resting. Yes, exactly. My voice is terrible. <laughs> no, your voice is not obstructing. It's not pitchy, because I'm very sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's pitchy. But right in now, if you think Mark's voice is very pitchy, and if you think I'm annoying, please tell us now, and I'd love to read your review. Whether it's it's good or bad, I'd love to hear from you. I, 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 <clears throat> I will agree with that perfectly. I'm going to send an ASMR show so everyone can relax while they're watching and listening to the show. And if they're watching it, then they must be on hallucinogens because you can't watch radio. <laughs> so that's <laughs> it for the news. We're going to take our break. We'll be right back with we came from the radio. Bye! Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey, ghoulies, this is Demon Boy, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. <laughs> New comics are back at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin. And now get ready for Joker War from DC Comics. 
Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 7, Thursday from 2 to 7, Friday from 2 to 7, and Saturday from noon to 5. So if you want the latest Marvel, DC, Image, or Independent Comics, comic book supplies, back issues, or magic cards, please call Chuck at 516-763-1133 for all the details. Thank you and stay safe. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. We're back with part four of the Lauren Malloy interviews. And this part of the Lauren Malloy interviews is going to be about her books. Because Lauren is a well-established author. Um, and the first time I met Lauren, which was 2014. I don't know anymore. I believe uh, you. <laughs> I don't believe me. Don't, I don't believe, believe me. I don't know. We it was Five the same ago? thing. It was the same. The Immortal Con, and I believe it was. I met you and Kate Fox at the same. You did. You met me and Kate, Kate Fox. Fox. Me and Kate, the Kate Fox show. The Kate Fox show. Uh, Kate Fox literally had the table next to me that very first con. We right. both worked, and I was like, she seems nice. I'm afraid to say hi. <laughs> And then I stopped being afraid. I have annoyed her ever since. <laughs> but anyway, I stopped by and I bought one of Loren's books. I read it, and it was it was really scary because I was reading it at my uh, at my place of uh, business, which is a a big school. And I'm alone. I work at night, so it really wasn't a smart thing to read it there. But anyway, we're back here with Loren. Loren, tell us about all your books. Oh my goodness. First of all, I have to say I'm smiling because I remember when I saw you again after that first book. I you like, oh my God, I tried reading it. It was dark. It was scary. <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, that's the point. And you, you don't want to read my next one then, not in the dark at your school. Uh, <laughs> I remember that's why I was smiling so much. I was like, that's hilarious. My face hurts from smiling, thinking about how you were like, Loren, I read the book while it was dark at my creepy school. <laughs> so the first book I wrote is The Very Devil Herself, which is about an immortal cannibal who works for the King of England from the 16th through 19th century hunting down historical serial killers. Yeah. Everything is historically <laughs> accurate, except for the immortal cannibal herself, because a history would be totally epic otherwise. So I looked back in history and found two very famous serial killers that seemed to cause a lot of problem for England. And I thought, what would happen if the king of England hired an immortal cannibal to go catch him? Well, you get to find out, and you get to find out what a face roll-up is in that one. So that's a lot of fun. That's the very devil herself. The other, the next one is the storyteller of Fane, and that one is about a psychiatrist trapped within a lunatic asylum with 13 different types of demons and a deadly surgeon all trying to get her at once. Okay, so now this is another book I have from Lauren, and i got to get ready to read this in the same building alone. I can't wait to do that. I'm going to buy a box of Depends and bring it with me. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> to read my books, you have to get stock in Depends. That depends. That depends. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, so she it winds up being stuck within Danvers Lunatic Asylum. And I looked in history, and I found out in the early 1900s, the, um, in Massachusetts, where Danvers Lunatic Asylum was, is, um... There was a massive flood that caused all the people to have to either go into Red Crosses, churches, or Danvers Lunatic Asylum. Wow. So, uh, I... Schoolhouses? 
Hey. Uh. <laughs> well, it's depending, you know, the more I research, the scarier yes. it got. Uh, you can't put it all in a book, though. Um, so they're stuck within in Danvers Lunatic Asylum with these 13 different types of demon and a deadly surgeon all trying to get her for their nefarious plans themselves. She has to try to figure out how to survive all of it without the help of a priest. That's a pretty big deal. You have demons, you have all sorts of stuff going on. You're trapped because there's a flood, so you can't even leave. And you have to figure out how to survive all of it without being harmed or killed by the surgeon that wants her, as well as, you know, trying to survive all the different things that all these different types of demons want. And when I wrote that book, I did so much research on demonology that I'm now ordained. So if you think you have a demon, I'm sure I can help you clean it up. So you're an ordained demon? I'm ordained minister. That way, oh, those okay. demons better watch I out. I wanted to clear that up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I actually am ordained um, non-denominational and solely for the fact of I hope that if it works that way, as some of us believe, that it gives my prayers extra oomph. Otherwise, it's... <laughs> What does it matter if I took a little extra time hoping to make it work better? Otherwise, cancel Christmas. Cancel Christmas! Yeah. So, so, but no, my next book is The Bedtime Killer. The Bedtime Killer is about a peeping Tom who gets bored at just looking at his ladies from afar and decides to take their relationship to the next level even if it kills them. So you get to watch this peeping Tom Horace turn into this lust killer like Richard Ramirez, but worse. There's a nod to the movie High Tension, which I have said on the Kate Fox show that Kate Fox cannot watch High Tension. If you've seen that movie, please read The Bedtime Killer. You will definitely definitely get the nod if you don't write me rewatch the movie and then try it again because it's definitely there <laughs> and it's gruesome but this bedtime killer decides that he's going to take his relationship to the next level even if it kills them all and what you get is you get to watch him transition from the peeping tom to the lust killer you get to watch him design and create and perfect his signature M.O. You also get to see flashbacks to his childhood, which shows you why he likes what he likes. But you also get to see each crime from the point of view of the police and the victims as well. So there's a constant circular motion of like, oh my God, I love her, she loves me, to who the hell is this person, to, you know, where do we even find this person, how did he even find her, all circular through each crime, until the wonderful crescendo at the end, which I won't tell you, but everyone's always surprised. <laughs> Uh, I also have Black Dreams Shattered Illusions, which is my poetry book. Each poem should be something that you've either lived through or you know someone who's lived through it. And it helps you feel like, wow, it's not just me. We all deal with these issues one way or the other. It's not just me. I'm not alone. And that's why I wrote that one. Um, Where'd All the Dragons Go is my children's illustrated book. I made all the pictures myself as well. And that's all about light, love, working together, that anything is possible as long as we build it together instead of, you know, separation and hatred. Because I feel like our kids in this world need to be shown light, love, and togetherness so that when we, they turn into adults, we have less serious issues because all of those adults are more of a healed, healthy population. And then let them read my heart books. <laughs> Yeah. I also yeah. right? I also have two notebooks slash journals. Um, one is Spooky Bitch and the other one is Happy Horrors. And both of them have quotes at every page to from either authors or movies or actors that have some type of horror in them to help stimulate the mind and maybe break through that creative writer's block for you. Right. So I think that's all of them.
and I'm going to ask you, <laughs> I'm going to ask you, what was um, your favorite? Because I happen to know all these books are amazing and, and they're great. What was your favorite book researching and writing? Oh, boy, that's difficult. Uh, I don't write a book unless I'm interested about the topics because I'm crazy and I love research. So for me... Um, all of them. All of them, absolutely. But I think, to be quite honest, The Very Devil Herself, because it's during Victorian and previous English times, and I love everything that has to do with England and all those time periods, as well as The Leather Apron and Whitechapel. And so... I mean, I could. I, I literally did research so that you knew what size their rooms were in East End London during yeah, that I time. Know. You know. I know what size the rooms are. I know. I made sure you knew. <laughs> um, so I think that was probably my favorite because that book would have been like 1,900 pages if I let myself add all the details in between. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Seriously, but yeah, I think that one's my favorite only because I loved researching on it, where the rest yeah. of it. It was it was good and I liked it and I'm glad I did it, but a lot of it I already knew, so it wasn't as interesting. Where I don't know if I'll ever get tired of like Jack the Ripper error London. That time period with all that stuff, I feel like no matter what, I'm always gonna be like, Tell me more, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it is an interesting period because if you put yourself back then mm -hmm. when when there was nothing, there was everything was by gaslight, the streets were dark. It's a very, very eerie time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've actually been watching a show called Harlots on Hulu. Um and it's another one of those, because it's time period, because it's England, because it's all that stuff. I love it. I love all time period yeah. stuff. Yeah. You see, I, I, I love westerns, and I love westerns when they go into a saloon at night, and it's not brightly lit. Right. It's mm -hmm. like, I, I like the reality of, you know, Somebody people the think the, of the, the westerns from the 50s and the 60s. They walk in, and those saloons are like brighter than my house, yeah. but it wasn't it's like that. first century yeah. saloon, not yeah. the reality of it, yeah. Yeah, totally. so that's, that's why I enjoy those pizzas also. But anyway, we're almost out of time, so I want you to close off these interviews by telling all your social media where people could get in touch with you, where people could get in touch with your books and all that stuff. Sure. Once again, thank you everyone for watching, listening. I'm so honored to be on your show. I've always loved you guys, so I'm so happy to be a part of it. Feel free to find my website. It has clothing, merchandise, as well as the Yield DVD, as well as all my books. Everything will be sent to your door contact-free, and all you have to do is say, please make sure you sign it, and I will for you. So go to the website, which is my online store, happyhorrors-store.myshopify.com and you'll find my books and more. Uh, you can find me on all social medias. Just look up my name, L-O-R-E-N-M-O-L-L-O-Y. So you can find me on Instagram, Loren underscore Malloy. Uh, Twitter, Loren Malloy. Facebook, Loren Malloy. I'm just going to keep singing it at you guys until you find me everywhere. Now make sure you look me up for Let's Party with Loren Thursday nights. I have a Facebook page, an Instagram page, and a YouTube page. Anyway, Loren, thank you so much. Uh, we love you. Uh, such a good friend of the show, a good friend of mine. And uh, I'm so glad that uh, we're, our paths crossed, that, that uh, you're the most creative person I know. And uh, 
I love your stuff. And once again, a big thank you for doing this interview with us uh, from It Came From The Radio. And this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio, and we'll talk to you soon. Take it easy. Hey, this is Brimstone, and you're listening to my boys on It Came From The Radio. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on breads, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631 606 8166. Now, back to our show. Hello, everyone. My name is Todd Black, and I am the writer and creator of Tokyo Blade Detectives, what I like to call an anime comic that has its third issue up right now on Kickstarter. Now, for those of you who don't know the series, Tokyo Blade Detectives is set 200 years into the future. Japan has been ravaged by war, it's been basically burned to the ground and reconstructed with technology, and the people there are desperate to try and get back to the older ways where they honestly thrived and yet still have the technology that helped rebuild their country. So it's a nice amalgamation of classic thinking but new technology, which led to one law that everyone must follow without question. No guns allowed. But this in turn created a power vacuum, so they used their technology to create laser swords. Yes, laser swords. Totally not the other thing you're thinking of. Anyway. This led to a rise in power of five factions who are constantly fighting to dethrone the current emperor and take Japan for themselves. And Tokyo, the capital, is basically ground zero for this conflict, which means that every single basic citizen is just trying to get by. Which leads us to our main character, Miko, a 16-year-old girl who's a detective, of all things, and just trying to make it day-to-day. The first issue focuses on her getting a case that will change everything. And the first arc, of which 3 is a part of, helps show exactly what the world of Tokyo is like and how things are about to change forever. If you go to our Kickstarter, you'll see we have plenty of really cool rewards, from the basic of getting a PDF of the comic for $3, to getting a physical copy for 10 You can get drawn into the comic. I will actually help you make comics, or even review a script you might have. And we got something for everybody. We really love this series. We funded the first two issues on Kickstarter, and we think that this one is going to be really special. And we got some really fun uh, visual elements in this issue that I really can't wait for you to see. So please go check out Tokyo Blade Detectives number three on Kickstarter. Oh wait, you say, I didn't read number one and number two. Well, we have a couple of rewards that will let you catch up on the series, either digitally or physically. And I'm even offering all of my previous comics as rewards in certain tiers. So go check out Tokyo Blade Detectives number three on Kickstarter right now. Pledge what you can. That's all I can ask. And please spread the word. I hope to see you in Tokyo. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, everybody. This is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jay Bird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about archery. Archery, yes. One of my favorite things I don't know how to do. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you said you used to do it when you were younger, right? Well, I took a class a long time ago, but now it looks like you have picked up the archery torch and are doing it now yourself. Yeah, it's really fun. I started about a month ago now, and it's pretty. It's really fun. Like it's. I'm at. I'm shooting twenty yards now. I started off at ten, and I did that for about two weeks, I think. Yeah. Well, now you've been doing yeah. it for about a month, right? Yeah. So that's good, and you're meeting new people. Yeah. I didn't realize how many people love archery. I know. Like there, <laughs> every time I go, there's like it's filled up. It's full. It's at one of our parks nearby. Apparently, they have tournaments, and they travel all around the country. Yeah, like all around the world, actually. It's it's pretty awesome. Like, if you want to sightsee, it's yeah, perfect. It's probably a great thing to do is archery tournaments and then go check out whatever uh, is in town, you know? Yeah. Unfortunately, I heard not this isn't happening too much now, but... Well, you know, I mean... Yeah. It is the pandemic. <laughs> right, but I think there's still some stuff that's going on in within like the New York state area. Anyway. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Um so I know that there's a lot of archery movies out there. Archery movies, yes. One of my favorite archery films is The Lord of the Rings, <laughs> which we're probably not going to talk about today because Julie wants to talk about Brave. Yeah, Brave is also an amazing movie with um, archery, because that's what Brave's, I mean, Merida's specialty is. Right, Merida? That's her name? Yeah. Ah, okay. So, right, Merida is an archer, and which is really funny. If you guys have Disney+, Plus, you could see the range that we shoot at, because there is a show called Disney in Real Life, episode five, I think, is Julie's teacher, who's the archer, right? Mm -hmm. Pee Wee. Pee Wee, that's right. That's <laughs> right. We call him Pee Wee. And he's um, instructing the girl Merida, right? Yeah. In archery. And it's really funny. It I, is. It's really cool. So if you haven't seen, um, so if you have Disney Plus and want to check it out, it's uh, Disney in real life. And um, it's actually funny. Like I said, episode five or something like that. Yeah. So. It's pretty cool, but overall, you like the movie Brave? Yeah, and Lord of the Rings is really cool, too. What are other movies with Well, Robin archery? Hood. Yeah, and Green Arrow? Well, he's one of the people that does archery. Well, yes, he has arrows, <laughs> yeah. and he shoots them, yes. But um, we don't watch the show, though, so like, I yeah, don't even know. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> I heard it's good, you know. Um, but one of the other um, archers is in The Avengers, Hawkeye. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah. Honestly, compared to the other superheroes, though, he probably has, like, not the... Not the like, greatest power. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's getting compared to the other superheroes, so... Yeah, exactly, you know, but um, he's still really good, and, you know, I, I was... When I used to collect the comic book... Um, the I think it was the West Coast Avengers is what he was in Hawkeye and I thought he was cool even though he was in all this like purple stuff and you know um, I don't know I just thought it was kind of cool back then but I'm I'm glad you like archery now yeah it's really fun you should do it again you, th you, you should you think I should yeah I remember hitting my first bullseye and oh my god I was so happy uh, I took a picture of it on my dad's phone it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the best. <laughs> That's so funny. 
Then you have the ultimate, I guess, recent movies with Jennifer Lawrence called um, The Hunger Games. That girl has a bow and arrow and she shoots up a lot of stuff and blows up a lot of things, you know? Yeah, I haven't watched it. What is it? Like, is it good? Yeah, they have like three books or something on it. It was like a phenomenon. You should definitely check it out. I would also recommend Rambo because he had a bow and arrow in the first movie, and I think the second and maybe the third, but those are too violent. So I would go. I would <laughs> stick with. <laughs> I would stick with the Hunger Games. But anyway, guys, archery happens to be on our list of things to do this summer, mm-hmm. and uh, we appreciate you guys listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Stay safe, stay connected, and healthy. All right. Speak soon. This is Carrie Steller from In the Girls' Corner, and you're listening to It Came From the Radio. Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... This week's Pick of the Week, V for Vendetta, by Alan Moore and David Lloyd. Uh, as you know, it came out as a movie many some years ago, and I actually enjoyed that movie. But the book is so much more complex as it usually is. Very rarely is a movie more complex than the original source material, whether it be a comic book or a novel. And I think in the particular times that we're living in, particularly and with elections coming up, and no matter where you are on the political spectrum and what you believe in, uh, I think this is a book that might talk to you and might make you think in some ways about what's going on in the world and where you stand in it. And that's why I think it's a good pick of the week right now. We got a lot of things we got to talk about. We got a lot of things coming up in the world. Don't look to me to talk about it right now, but you might want to be thinking, where do you stand? What do you believe in? What do you think is right and how people should be living their lives? And if those are questions that you have and opinions you're trying to form, V for Frendetta might be the book for you to read this week or next week or whenever. Um, and watch the movie too. Like I said, I rather enjoy the movie. Uh, I can understand why Alan Moore did not want to be part of it. But there, don't look at it for a point of view for you to have to take your point of view from. Look at it as a way for you to question and come up with your own point of view. But anyway, as I often do, here is Wikipedia discussing Viva Vendetta. V for Vendetta is a British graphic novel written by Alan Moore and illustrated by David Lloyd, with additional art by Tony Weir. Initially published starting in 1982 in a black and white as an ongoing serial in the short-lived UK anthology Warrior, it morphed into a 10-issue limited series published by DC Comics. Subsequent collected editions have been typically published under DC's more specialized imprint, Vertigo. And that's why I believe it's more of a independent book and not so much a superhero book. But anyway, back to Wikipedia. The story de- depicts a dystopian and post-apocalyptic near-future history version of the United Kingdom in the 1990s. Obviously not 
accurate an, an, anymore. Anyway, preceded by a nuclear war in the 1980s that devastated most of the rest of the world. The white supremacist, supremacist neo-fascist, outwardly Christio-fascistic, I know I butchered that word and I'm sorry, and homophobic fictional Norse fire political party has exterminated its opponents in concentration camps and now rules the country as a police state. The comics follow the story's title character and protagonist V, an anarchist revolutionary dressed in a Guy Fawkes mask, as he begins an elaborate and the the theatrical revolutionist campaign to kill his former captors, bring down the fascist state, and convince the people to abandon fascism in favor of anarchy, while inspiring a young woman, Evie Hammond, to be his protege. And, yeah, that's, I'd say that's a pretty fair summation of it. Um, but why have me tell you about it when Alan Moore, the writer, can tell you about it? And in case you didn't know who Alan Moore was, here's a little clip of introducing you to him. Alan Moore is a writer and magician from Northampton. He's a stranger to hairdressers and worships his very own God in his very own way blurring the lines between religious belief, magic, and the power of the creative imagination. If you film him from strange angles, you can make him look very sinister. But he isn't really. All right, could I have a couple of tape, please? Black tape. I just think that's one of the best uh, introductions, and um, he wrote V for Vendetta, he wrote, he wrote Watchmen, he wrote League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and he's probably one of the leading best English writers living today. And anyway, this is him discussing in an edited clip about V for Vendetta, the comic. I was attending a lot of the Rock Against Racism marches with the Anti-Nazi League. I knew a bit about the threat of fascism. Um... So this struck me as potentially a very interesting backdrop for this future world that I was going to be talking about. Because as with most of the future worlds in science fiction, you're not talking about the future. You're talking about the present. You are using the future as a way of giving a bit of room to move, um, a bit of a fantasy element. It makes it into something that is once removed from the thing that you're actually talking about, so people can enjoy it on a fantasy level, while hopefully perhaps some of the deeper points that you're making are sinking in. So we we put V for Vendetta together on that basis. It was David Lloyd's idea to, and it was a brilliant idea, to actually make him look like Guy Fawkes, um, which we'd been struggling with what this guy should actually look like, and we'd come up with several things that weren't very satisfactory. But um, when Dave suggested, almost as a joke, I don't think he expected me to go along with it, he suggested this sort of Guy Fawkes figure. And as soon as I saw it, I saw that this was genius. Um, it was connecting to this whole British mythology. It, there was something so British and so striking about that iconic image. And it played well into 
the kind of thinking that was already starting to develop upon the strip. I didn't want to just come into this as a self-confessed anarchist and say, right, here's this anarchist, here's the good guy, here's all these bad fascists, they're the bad guys. I mean, that's trivial and insulting to the reader. Um, I wanted to present some of the fascists as being ordinary and, in some instances, even likeable human beings. They weren't just Nazi cartoons with monocles and University of Heidelberg dueling scars. You know, they were people who had made their choices for a reason. Sometimes that reason was cowardice. Sometimes that reason was wanting to get on. Sometimes it was a genuine belief in those principles. So we suggest that, yeah, the Nazis, they weren't from space. They weren't from the depths of hell. They were butchers and street sweepers and school teachers and ordinary people from ordinary works of life. They weren't monsters, but they just went along with fascism when fascism was the order of the day. It was a very morally ambiguous and very morally complex strip. And it's a, in its original, and in, I believe its best inception, it was entirely in black and white. And Dave Lloyd was using this stark, chiaroscuro style, where you'd got no bordering outlines on the characters. You'd got hard black up against hard white in the artwork. Whereas in the story... In the text, there was almost nothing but shades of grey uh, in moral terms. And that kind of contrast, I think, worked really well in the original strip. So if you're interested in getting V for Vendetta, trust me, this is not a hard thing to do. All you really need to do is Google V for Vendetta comic, and you're going to be presented with perhaps five to ten places you could buy it from. Uh, between Comixology, My Comic Shop, uh, and of course Amazon. So you can get the hardcover, you could get it digitally, however you want to get it. Believe me, there is no issue with you getting V for Vendetta. Um, I hope you enjoy it, and I hope it sparks some thought. Okay, so that's this week's pick, V for Vendetta. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember, words will always retain their power. Words are for the means to meaning, and for those who will listen, the enunciation of truth, fairness, justice, and freedom are more than words. They are perspectives. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. Hi, this is Amy Jo Johnson, writer-director from the film The Space Between, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you missed any part of this show... Tough! 
go to our website www.itcamefromtheradio.com listen to the archives will be up in a week or so like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter on Instagram uh, check us out on Beyond the Dawn Studios and we will see you next week you've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres the views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management owners or staff of the station we now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.